Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody that has ever talked to me for more than 30 seconds knows that I'm not really happy with American church culture right now. I just wanted to share a story with you that kind of illustrates what a tremendous struggle it it has been for my husband and I. We moved to Connecticut two years ago, and we had all this information and years of following Jesus, but frustration with church culture, but we still wanted that community. So we were visiting churches, and at the same time, I was working in some ministries, and I I know people that have been really hurt by church, and it's always in my mind, how would those people fit in at this church that I'm visiting? So... We visited a lot of churches, and actually a lot of churches I just judged from their websites and was like, yeah, I'm not fitting in there. (laughs) So anyway, after a long time, my husband and I found a church that we thought looked amazing. And I looked at the website and I was like, oh my gosh, honey, it's like if you and I sat down and made a website for a church, this would be it. Or that's how I felt. He was like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Because he's a little more skeptical than me, a lot more skeptical than me. But anyway, so we visited this church for a few times, and, and there were a lot of really good things there, and I met a lot of really good people. But one time I was doing some volunteer work with this church, and the volunteers started talking about how hard the pastor was on the volunteers that tried to help. And I was like, what? And one of them, the girls said, oh my gosh, yeah, the first time when he was yelling at me, I was crying. And then people were making excuses for it. Like it was okay for the pastor to treat people like dirt because he was a good speaker. And I was like, what? So when I heard that girl story, it kind of started opening my eyes to, wait a minute, I see all these same problems before. And even though they were saying all the right things, they still were doing the same old stuff that I had seen so many times before. And when I talked to my husband about it, we were both really, really disillusioned. And we just kind of just went for a walk and we wandered around and we were just talking about how incredibly alone we felt and that We didn't know how to make friends anymore. We didn't know where to find community. We didn't know where to find support. And I just sat down at one point and said, I mean, we were still on our walk. and (laughs) I was in town with people around and I sat down on the stairs and I started to cry. And I was like, I don't know what to do with all this. I just want to drink the Kool-Aid. I want to not know all the things I know. I want to not see it anymore. And my husband was like, no, you don't. And he knew I did it because I can't not see the hurt that these systems cause. I don't want to forget that a pastor that acts like that when they cover up him mistreating volunteers because the message is more important than his character, I know exactly where that leads. And I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want anything I do to say I approve of that kind of behavior. But at the same time, I realized I was giving up what felt familiar and comfortable to me and how I had always gone and found my friend group and my purpose and all of this. And I was like, it's hard. And as I sat there that day, I asked this question, how is this better? Knowing all that I know, and I'm glad I know it, but how 
am I going to go forward and life be better because I know this? Because it felt like it just meant that I was determining to walk through the rest of my life being incredibly alone. And I know that (laughs) that's a little bit of a dramatic statement because I'm also finding community and getting stronger. But it's a question I wrestle with, like, how is this better? How did we get in this mess? And what do I do with all these things that I'm learning? And I I get very frustrated. And I'm sure it comes out in my writing. And I'm sure... I'm sure people that talk to me all the time are very aware of my frustration, especially my friend Nancy. Kudos to her for hanging in there with me and still being my friend, since that's 90% of what I talk about. But anyway, I know that a lot of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, that you see it and you've either been really hurt by those systems or do you see the hurt and you're like, what? <laughs> Where do we go from here? You know, and some of you are plugging away at churches and trying to stay in there and make changes. And I hope you do. I hope they listen to you and respect you more than they did me. They should. And some of you have walked away and you're just wandering around in loneliness. Like, I don't know what to do now, but I don't want to do that. (laughs) And so that's what I want to talk about. I'm just going to share my journey with you guys. And I'm going to share what I'm going through and the things I'm learning and I started reading the book of John and I, and that question was in my head, like, God, what do I do? And oh my goodness, guys, what I found in just the first chapter is so amazing. And I'm really excited about it. I sat down to study the book of John and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back. Even though this is v- very familiar to me, I'm going to go back and look at all of the context, like I tell people to do, I'm going to look at all the ancient context, the cultural context, why was it written, who was it written to, what was going on. When I started out really thinking about the cultural context of the book of John, it is so amazing. Because first of all, there's the realization that the book of John is the the youngest of the gospels. It was written in the year 85 to 95. And that's actually one of the reasons people are very critical of it. And they're like, oh, it was written so long after Jesus died that there's no way that it's factual. And then other people are like, well, John was just, you know, borrowing from the other gospels at this point, which, you know, I don't know why that's an issue. But (laughs) anyway, if you are looking for a documentary of a play-by-play, like a, you know, e-news thing where they're like, Jesus was wearing sandals by, I don't know who made sandals back then, but you know, like they're talking about like exactly what he was wearing and in the transcript of all his speeches, then yeah, John probably missed some things. But what's just amazing to reflect on is that John was writing this after 50 years of living out the teachings of Jesus. And he is sitting down at the end of his life and reflecting on what it means to follow Jesus. John, one of Jesus's closest disciples who walked around with Jesus while he was on earth in the flesh, in his ministry, John was there for all of it. And then John was there for the crucifixion and the resurrection and the rise of the church. And John saw the destruction of the temple. And in that destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, According to the historian Josephus, a million Jews were killed. And not only were a million Jews killed, many, many Jews were taken into slavery. And John 
saw that and he went through that and that was his family and his countrymen and that was the symbol of religion that he had grown up with and it was this huge tragedy that his nation went through and then he saw the persecution of the church and he saw really great Christian people like Stephen being killed and most likely at this point when he was writing the book of John he had probably seen all of the other disciples be killed too. Of course, nobody's 100% certain on what happened with that, but that's the most likely scenario is that all the other disciples had been killed. And John is reflecting on all of that, plus all of those other problems that are written about in the New Testament, like the churches arguing and how the Gentiles and the Jews were getting along and all that mess where the Jews are like, oh, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to also be a Jew first and, and all that stuff that I've talked about before. John saw all that. He saw all the arguments and he saw all the good and all of it. And he sat down and wrote this reflection on what it really means to follow Jesus. And I think that that makes this so incredibly powerful and so incredibly relevant to us when we're looking at how do we get here? How are we in this mess? It is so cool to reflect on John had seen those same kinds of things. He had seen people mess it up big time. He'd seen his friends that were doing it right get killed. And he he wrote this book. As you read the book of John, I hope that you think about everything that he had seen. So he starts out in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. What is super cool about this is the word in the ancient Greek that was used there was obviously not the word word. (laughs) It was the word logos. Logos means a whole lot more than just a word. It's about intelligence. It's wisdom, understanding, personality. All of this is summed up in logos. And so Jesus is the Logos of God, meaning he's the exact presentation of all that God is. That is actually really cool to consider as I was talking about, what do I do with all this mess and all these church people and all this stuff? It's really about looking back at who Jesus is. What did he do? Because that's the perfect presentation of who God is, not the institutions we've made, not my podcast, believe it or not, (laughs) really not at all, not anything that people create. It's Jesus, what he did. I think that that's really neat that he started out with that because if it were me and I was writing the book at this point, I'd be like, hey guys, here's all the stuff you got wrong and let me tell you how to fix it. But John starts out with reminding us exactly who Jesus was and is. And it gets even better because in verse four, John says, in him, meaning Jesus, in Jesus was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Again, going back to my obsessive English teacher, the ancient Greek word for life is Zoe. And when John says that Jesus 
is the Zoe. It's obviously not talking about biological life. It's talking about something much more. It's that thing that we're talking about when we when we tell somebody, get a life. You're obviously not saying, hey, start breathing. <laughs> You're just saying, you know, like you need to get something better, like a purpose and, you know, quit being a jerk or whatever. But <laughs> that's kind of the thing that we're talking about. I always think about the story of Tom Brady in one of the many, many Super Bowls that he won. <laughs> After winning the Super Bowl, this guy's interviewing him and he's like, you just want a Super Bowl. You have this smoking hot model wife and everything seems to be going great for you. And Tom Brady says, yeah, but I just feel like there's something more. And that's something more. That's Zoe. That's the life that Jesus gives us. It is why I have a friend who is homeless and is full of more joy than Tom Brady knows because she understands what life is all about. And even though she's made all these mistakes, she's full of joy and hope and purpose because she knows Jesus and he has given her that life. I think that that is so cool to remember that when we focus on who Jesus is, it's in him, not all that mess that I was talking about earlier that I tend to focus on way too much. It's in Jesus that we find that Zoe, that purpose, and just the the full, wonderful life that we're all looking for. It's found in focusing on the word. Okay, and then I think it gets even crazier because it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And verse 5 goes on to say, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I read that and thought about me and my current struggle, I kind of felt really small and incredibly humbled because Again, think about all the stuff that John had seen. And he says, that light's still shining. That light is the hope for mankind, and it is still shining. How many people in your life, like your family members, close relatives, or somebody that was really important to you, like a super strong Christian who really lived it out, cared about people, and was just this great example to you. How many people like that being killed would it take for you to focus only on the darkness? I mean, (laughs) for me, I think it'd be like one, maybe two. And think about all the stuff that John saw all the destruction, all the hurt, all the arguing. And and he was able to say, after seeing all of that, Jesus is the perfect presentation of who God is. He brings us Zoe, this abundant life, and his light is still shining. And I think that's amazing and super convicting and Obviously, all of you know that I'm not there <laughs> right now, but I want to be that person. I want to be the person that focuses on Jesus, that is full of hope, even after seeing all the darkness. I want to know that it's better. I want to be glad that I see that all that I see, and I'm starting to get there. And this is a huge reminder for me 
of how important it is and how powerful it is. So I hope that you're encouraged by that. And I hope you think about it. And my challenge for me and you, if you need it, (laughs) think about the things that bother us and the things that keep us from seeing the light and really pray that God would show you and me where his light is still shining and help us to point people to that light. So guys, read the book of John. Join me in this adventure and tell me what you find. Share with me because as always, I love hearing from you. It reminds me that I'm not a crazy person just standing here in my basement talking to the window. (laughs) I also love the encouragement. I love the feedback. I need the accountability because I can go way off base. So all my contact information is on my website, RomanColaForTheSoul.com. I'd love to have discussions with you on my Facebook page. And as always, I hope that your soul has been encouraged and calmed like it just had some Roman Cola. Blessings, guys.